0: Welcome to the NABC Guardians of the Game podcast, where we go inside what makes a coach a coach. The NABC Guardians of the Game podcast is a production of the National Association of Basketball Coaches and Learfield. And now, your host, Tim Doyle. Welcome to the season finale of the NABC Guardians of the Game podcast. I'm your host, Tim Doyle. And today, we're joined on the podcast by my former coach and NABC Executive Director, Craig Robinson, I don't think I've ever called you Craig, but I guess today I can. So pretty excited about that. I mean, you know, I I was going through your career and the different hats that you've worn, you know, in your adult life: college basketball player, NBA player, financial services, coaching, NBA administration. Go down the list. You've experienced obviously politics up close and personal. Um, how has all those experience prepared you for your current role leading the NABC?
1: Well, Tim, that that's a terrific question. And uh, but before I answer it, you know, it's so funny now that I get to see a, all of my former players as adults, like you, who have who have just surpassed me in in le- the way you dress and the way you carry yourselves. It's just you 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 make all us coaches proud. And I love the fact that you're uncomfortable calling me Craig because every player is, and uh, <laughs> it, it's so funny because. I I could never call Coach Kirill Pete. Right. Right. I could call him Pete when he's not in the room. But <laughs> if he's in the room, I'm like, hey coach. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But, but 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 to answer your question, you know, all of those all of those roles, um, and, and I go back to, you know especially as a player and then as a high school coach you know coaching young people who I was going to come to recruit later all of the experiences that I have have sort of put me in 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 the right frame of mind and experience level to tackle the job of being of running the NABC and um you know you learn things along the way, like how to be organized and how to make decisions and how to lead and all that kind of stuff. But it really is the um, learning at an early age, how to be a part of a team and, and, and learning how to live in the world of younger people as you get older. Right. And for me, that's been the most important part is being able to stay flexible Um, emotionally to, to, to understand people where people are coming from, irrespective of, of age.
0: Yeah. Being flexible emotionally. Wow. That's, that's, that's deep stuff. It's true. And especially when everything we've been through as a country and a society the last couple of years and working from home and, you know, I've been doing shows from home and coaches, you know, going in and out of protocols and dealing with their teams it's been more emotional for coaches than it has been physical for coaches. And, and as far as you on the sidelines, what's the the memory that stands out the most to you?
1: Oh, geez, the the some of the, some of my best memories don't even weren't even on the sidelines, man. You 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 know, it's usually that bus ride. Or that plane ride, or the hotel stay. I don't know, that-
0: Coach. We lost a lot of games <laughs> at Northwestern. Those are too many fun bus rides. Oh, <laughs>
1: but, but there's always some some experiences that I, I look back on. A player, uh, as a, you know, as a player, you win the championship. That's that's a great memory. Um, but really, it's the relationships that I've built over the years. I mean, you know, being able to be on here with you. Uh, that's going to be another memory you know just just interacting with former players former staff members former people people I've worked with Um, but if I had to if I had to put my finger on um, on something that was just absolutely uh, memorable was it wasn't even a winning game it was a game at at when I was coaching at Oregon State and I, I I had I had to discipline the team. So we ended up playing at Arizona state and I was only going to play seven guys. And it was three walk-ons and two scholarship players. And we almost won the game. And it was important to me because it, it, it enabled me to hold everybody accountable after that, because what we, what that, what that small group of, players did was they showed that they could compete with a full-on Arizona State team that had, you know, you know, if if I rem- if I remember correctly James Harden might have been on that team. I can't right. I can't remember if it, if he was on it or not, but it was during that era. And we were away and we ended up losing the game but we were in it the whole time. And after that I was able to say to the rest of my players this is why you want to do things the right way because we have to move
0: on. Culture. It sounds like, and you hear that you were building something there, and that's what a lot of you know teams and coaches talk about. You know, putting in their own culture. I'll t- I'll tell you some of my favorite memories, and the one that stands out the most from you was I had played my first year at St. John's, and when I say played, I use that word very loosely. Okay, I sat there and went, hey, where to go, guys? <laughs> so I took a visit to Northwestern at the time. You were an assistant coach, and I remember you and I. We did not spend a lot of time together because I was a a different assistant coach's kind of priority at the time, but we did spend a moment in the bleachers under the hoop. And I mean, it's crazy to think it was 20 years ago, but uh, you told me a story about your father and you had an opportunity to play at DePaul being a Chicago guy. And it was that option of going to DePaul or going to Princeton and You know, he was basically leaving the decision up to you, but was he really? And and that that impact of of making that right decision for the rest of your life. Yeah. Do 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 you have any recollection recollection of that conversation with me or with other? Oh yeah,
1: I, I I remember it specifically with you because Coach you know Coach Carmody and Coach Lee were all over you, and I was like, I I watched the film of you play, and I was like why did he go to St. John's? Why didn't he go to an Ivy League school? Right. And, and they couldn't understate they, that, you know, they were like, yeah, he's, he, he would have been perfect at Princeton. He, he could have gone to Penn, yada, yada, yada. I was like, oh man, I can't wait to talk to this kid. And you came on campus and I, I was like, I got to tell him the story about my dad, how he, and, and I love the way you put it. He 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 left the decision up to me, but did he really? <laughs> and, 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 and that story, and, and for, just for the listeners, that's the way that story goes. Is that I told Tim that my dad, when I told my dad I wanted to go to DePaul, he did what dads do when you made the wrong decision. Now you can't see this because I'm, I'm, I'm. Uh, this is a podcast, but he held his head back, way back, and he rubbed his hand over the whole of his face (laughs) and he put his chin down and he just shook his head and that's what he did when he was disappointed and Tim knows this but the rest of you all don't know this but my dad was disabled my whole life right and so but he got up and went to work every day so when he said when he looked disappointed I was like oh my goodness what did I do wrong and um and he he calmly said why'd you pick Princeton? And I said, well, I mean, why would you you pick University of Washington? And I said, well, it's in the pack eight as a pack eight back then. Um, And um, I I think I could play, but I could think I could start by the time I'm a junior and they have good academics. And, uh, and, and I said, but most of all, it's free. And Princeton, we had to pay like, you know, $2,500, which would have was like $2 million to me back then. And he said, and, and my dad said this to me. He said, if you pick your school based on how much I have to pay, I'd be really disappointed. And that was when I knew I had I was about to disappoint him. And the, so the next day I came back to him and said, hey, you know, I really liked, and I all I, all I got was the PR in Princeton out. And he slammed the table and said, fine, you'll go there. <laughs> so to, to, to your point, Tim, did he really allow me? He, 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 but, but he did what, what we have to do as parents and as leaders. He helped me get to the right decision and you, know, you ended up making the right decision. You just took a different route.
0: And I want, I I never told you that story. Uh, so it was kind of fun to tell you that story on air because 19 years later, that was 2003 of the spring, you know, 19 years later, it still had an impact on me. So I thank yeah. you for that. And it meant a lot to me. And it was something that, you know, you know, you don't remember certain games or certain buckets or certain teammates, but I remember a story like that. And so I appreciate your help. Now let's take you back in time. Yeah. Now your first year of coaching. What advice would you give yourself?
1: Oh yeah. Uh, I would, I would, the, My first of all, my advice to myself is you you are going to be bombarded with more stuff than you even think, because when you first get, when you get your first head coach, you think, okay, now I I get to call the plays, call the timeouts, you know, offer the scholarships that all that kind of stuff. Um, But really if, if I had it to do all over again, I would, I would, this gets back to sort of that emotional maturity and emotional flexibility I would I would tell my my younger self calm down just relax things are going to be okay you're going to learn this it's being a head coach is learned behavior a lot of it is learned behavior being in the seat actually rather than sort of watching uh your head coach do it um because there what what I learned what I what I came to learn is that if I was relaxed, my teams were relaxed because, you know, we, we all, players and coaches all practice enough to be good at what they do. The, 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 the last 10% is being calm and confident doing what you do. And if, I would have saved myself a lot of internal agita if I had, if I had approached it with a much calmer demeanor early on.
0: I take that same approach as a father and as a husband, because when I, when I escalate, you know, I've seen my kids escalate (laughs) and, you know, if I escalate (laughs) with my uh, wife, you know, I I just know how I'm going to feel an hour later. I'm like, Oh, why did I escalate like that? Um, Right. Right. That's, that's great advice. And so many coaches for so many college athletes, not just at the division one level, but at all levels, all sports, a lot of them are father figures for these student athletes and they look to these coaches and that's a big responsibility as a head coach. How do you prep a coach like that of like, you know, you want to get into a profession. The profession is different now because the money at the highest level is much different now. So you, know, you got into it. Cause you love to be around kids and teaching. And that's what a lot of the old school guys did. Then the money mm-hmm. just be where it is, but now you got a right. younger demo getting into coaching because you know, they see the big contracts they see the TV, they see the glamour of it, but you know you take on a very big responsibility in a st- student athlete's life.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and what I try and tell our coaches now, and 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 you know you talk about the NABC, the NABC has a, a span of coaches all down the range, right? Yep. So Division One down to high school coaches, and. I, my, my first thing I ask, guys, is do you love being around kids, right? Because you can't do this job well. You can do this job and not like kids, but Fine. you can't do it well if you don't like being around the guys and girls and young people and sort of understanding how to fit into their world while they're trying to understand how to fit into the world. Um, and, and I, you know, you're right there are a lot of people who are in this because they see that that you could make a fortune somehow. And, and there are some guys who, who do make it, but in order to be really good at this job, you have to be in your heart. uh, uh, You have to love kids and want to teach kids and want to develop humans.
0: What would you tell a coach of the ups and downs that you have had and the experience that you have had as a as a coach, assistant coach to head coach, Brown to Oregon State, I've followed your career. Heck, yep. you hired my college roommate at a stop or, or two along the way in Joe Kennedy, whose dad was in the profession. Pat right. Kennedy, and even if you look at his career, a bunch of different stops, Pat Kennedy, at a bunch of different places. How do you kind of relate that to – the coaches at the NABC that there's going to be some ups and downs.
1: Yeah, because you, you, you know how I do it is I let them know that, that, that this is a business where you're going to lose more than you win, right? You're gonna lose if unless you're really lucky. You're gonna lose a lot more uh, than you did as a player, and um, and and this these are jobs that are made for change. So being fired from a job, you can't have your, um, your character or your psyche or your inner worth be based on whether you get hired or fired for a job. It's just not that many jobs out here. Uh, And that's how I approach it. And that's what I learned from getting fired and getting hired and having jobs and having success and not having as much success is that, you know, it's An ebb and flow, but, but, but what really kept me in the game and kept me interested was that I just felt like basketball and the people who taught me the game, starting with my dad, all the way up to coach Kirill and coach Carmody. Um, that, that made, that meant so much to me in my ability to be a successful human being that, um, it, it was way stronger for me to to be that person than to worry about being sort of a coach who won 900 games
0: this summer, and and, go ahead. And, and,
1: and, my, and my final point is i try and convey that to as many coaches as i can because in this day and age jobs don't even last as long as they did when i was coaching
0: yeah, and, and now athletic directors change and and conferences change and philosophies change within years because of realignment. And, you know, it, it's, it's hard. And now the transfer portal has created even more challenges. And I think that's why maybe you see some of the old school coaches saying, you know, maybe this is time for me to kind of move on because it's evolved. The profession has evolved. You know, right. even when you coached me 20 years ago, there was a different – respect that i had now i thought you did a really good job even then of trying to get maybe a little more personal but you know i I know coach carrill was kind of here and the players were here and i kind of looked at my coach bill carmody he was here and i was even mike jarvis at st john's now matt painter and Jaden ivy they almost have to get on the same level just so they're able to connect yeah and you know Talk a little bit about that evolution from when we were players to the, the, the nowadays and how that adjustment has to be for a coach.
1: Yeah, I, I, think, I think that you're absolutely right. We, we, what, what coaches today have to learn is meeting your players where they are because that's how they've been developed, right? The, the hierarchy of coach above and player below has ch- absolutely changed. Because as parents, it's changed. Because, yep. you know, I, 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 you, I your dad still, was that way, too. Sc- I'm
0: still scared of my dad. You're still, you're still <laughs> scared of your dad.
1: And if my dad was alive, I'd still be scared of him, too. And But, but you have a, a great relationship with your dad because now that you're older, you're friends now. You weren't friends with him when you were younger and he was developing, right? We can't be you know, I, I always believe that my, my, and my parents always told me, look, I'll, I'll be your friend when you're 30 years old.
0: <laughs>
1: right now I'm your parent and you gotta, you have to listen to what we say. And but it's I just different think now. it's different now. It is absolutely different now where, where kids have a, a lot of empowerment at home in their own home. And so that, that then transfers over to their schools with their teachers and their coaches at a younger age, which means they are, their college coaches have to sort of meet them more where they are now, as opposed to where um, the the old paradigm of I'm, I'm the coach and I'm superior to you. Uh,
0: A couple more questions for you. We're joined here by the executive director of the NABC, Craig Robinson. Uh, This summer will mark two years for you. No one knows what year it is anymore, but this is two years (laughs) for NABC. What's the biggest goal you've tried to accomplish so far there?
1: Yeah, and and speaking of this job, I have been telling everybody this this two year period has been the longest four years I've ever had. <laughs> uh, um, what what we what, uh, Tim, what we what we really focused, what I've really focused on, and what we focused on as the NABC is giving our coaches a seat at the table, and um, I I have believed this since I was a coach, and and believe it even more so now in this position that it is important for coaches to be a part of the ncaa legislative decision making process over the years many of the important issues have been largely shaped without the input of our coaches and the the what what really irks me about that is that we want we, our, we our, our coaches have day-to-day interactions with student athletes more than any other individuals on campus yet right. uh, coaches input is rarely sought when changes are made and we just want the coaches in the NABC to be the leading voice on on issues impacting our game because we're right there in the in the trenches and so we're working to establish new lines of communication between the NCAA's governance committees and the NABC. We're also stressing to coaches that open dialogue with their AADs, A- their commissioners, um, other coaches on these topics are imperative. And in addition to the points I made before, we're working to better align with the WBCA, which is the women's uh, association that is sort of like our sister association and other sports coaches groups rather than tackling issues only from the men's basketball perspective so we we, we, we i would say giving coaches a seat at the table has been the biggest priority since i walked in the door and and that was sort of taking a look around and seeing what what was going on from a governance standpoint
0: Well, we're going to be back in person in New Orleans. The NABC will be hosting their in-person convention there. What can coaches expect in the Big Easy?
1: Well, uh, first and foremost, uh, uh, like I've been saying to everybody, I'm so excited to be back together in person and seeing the coaches in person that I've been dealing with for the last two years on Zooms and uh, over the phone um, because I think the – relationships and the professional growth that develop at the convention simply couldn't be be replicated online. Um, We believe that the convention is the industry's top professional development and networking event, and that this year's agenda will be back up to that claim. And the most significant addition to this year's event is our NABC convention's opening ceremony, which will take place on Friday morning It will feature a special keynote panel discussion, as well as a presentation of our top coaching awards. And we think this event will set the tone for the rest of the convention weekend. So, um, it's, it's are we're really excited. Uh, like I said, it'd be great to see people in person. Uh, it'll be great to, 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 this will be my first convention as the executive director of the NABC. Yeah. I usually just show up and go to, go to the, uh, sessions, and I go to the X and O clinics and and, uh, leadership and ethics sessions. Uh, So now I'll be able to see everything from the back of the house. So I'm really excited about it, Tim.
0: Uh, If you could give advice out there for someone who's maybe involved in coaching or getting involved in coaching, when they go to a convention like this, my first thought is networking, relationships. Is that where you can get when you go to new Orleans, is that the priority? If you're a coach going in there to make those relationships?
1: Absolutely. And the, and the best way to do it is, is um, you know, when you go into these sessions, you know, you can't be afraid to ask questions and walk up to people and introduce yourselves. And uh, the, the, the thing that I remember when I, at my first convention, when I first started uh, coaching was that, every every single coach that I introduced myself to took the time to at least say hello. Uh, You know, it's not like a a, a resume handing out type of convention, but it is a place where you can introduce yourself to coaches and go right up to some of the biggest name coaches who are out there. And uh, um, I, I think if you're, if you're a, a, a young up and coming coach and you're attending the convention, you want to go to as many of the sessions as you can, because they are all terrific, um, and and you, you'll learn a lot. But you will you will see how many of the coaches who already have jobs find it important to keep developing, keep the professional development growing. Um, there's going to be a wealth of a wealth of folks there with knowledge from all over, and um, um, networking. Um, and and um, and development is is the is the name of the is the name of the game at the convention.
0: All right, two more for you. The postseason is officially underway across college hoops. March is here. Uh, I live in the Midwest, so February can get uh, a little long, a little cold. I talked to my mom. She goes, "You're going down to Florida?" I go, "It's Florida, mom, but no, I'm not. <laughs> I, I have a newborn kid, so I'm not going." How excited are you? Uh, after the last two disrupted seasons to finally see that March Madness is underway and fans are in the stands.
1: Yeah, I I think it's, 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 it's terrific. I am so happy that we're getting back to a a normal way of doing things and and I'm happy for myself, but I'm more happy for our coaches and, and our student athletes. Right. Uh, I thought that I think that, um, the, the last couple of years have been tough on particularly student athletes so being able to sort of enjoy the postseason now is is uh, is gonna be great for everyone and then you think about the fans being back in the arenas you know a, a everybody's hopefully being healthy and and listening to the, the the health and safety guidelines of their respective cities and counties but it's it's gonna be great to have uh, have people back the stands. And I'm looking forward to getting to some of the early round games and visiting with our coaches uh, um, and, um, and, and really uh, seeing the student-athletes back out there you know, in front of folks. Because th- this is what makes college basketball better than any other alternative is this NCAA tournament.
0: Uh, I'll finish with this anecdote. So you were my assistant coach until my senior year. Right. and i created a narrative in my head that you believed i was wasn't a good enough shooter wasn't athletic enough to play in the big 10 and now that i'm older you're right you're 100% right okay but it motivated me in the offseason and i circled the game november 21st 2006 you were the head coach of brown Right. Evanston, And I thought, oh, man, this is the like, you know, when you're an athlete and, and you'll see Jordan or LeBron, now that I'm older, I'm like, everybody's looking for a little motivation and stuff. Now that I've become an adult, I was like, yeah, I think maybe he was right. I couldn't guard the wings in the big dead. Right. But it was 6440 uh, Northwestern wind. I had 17 points, eight assists. I will say this: next year, you did go to Evanston and knock off Northwestern. I was not on that team, but ironically enough, I called that game. So um, right. crazy how we're all tied in together. So I want to let you know, it wasn't like Rocky Four where I cut out a picture of Ivan. It was I didn't cut out a Craig Robinson picture. Put it on my mirror and said, I'm going to get you in November of 2006. But you were a motivating force in my development
1: basketball-wise. <laughs> but, but it worked. It worked. Because you started making shots. You started practicing enough where you could shoot and guard guys on the wing. You <laughs> see, you got it. You have to. the, the, the key, the, the key to coaching is to figure out what motivates your players, what gets them to do what they wouldn't do on their own.
0: Well, so thanks I, I, for the commercial. No, hey, I, I just want to, <laughs> let, yeah, I, I want to let you know you're a motivating factor. We appreciate your time and thank you again for this opportunity.
1: Tim, thank you for doing this. You know, we at the NABC really appreciate the fact that you've done this for us for the last couple of seasons. You've done a terrific job. Uh, you've kept it fun. You've been you've been a, a consummate professional and uh, just thanks so much for the last few years, man. It's been great.
0: Well, thank you very much. And I appreciate your help. Shout out to... Eric and the rest of the team, Nate there at the NABC, do such a great job. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much. And thank you for listening to the NABC Guardians of the Game podcast. I'm your host, Tim Doyle. Next show will be next season where we should have a star studded affair, the fair. And hopefully I will be your host. I'll see you soon. Thanks so much. <laughs>